Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Tonight we are continuing our study on spiritual maturity, and uh, we're going to be looking at the uh, fifth impedance. Uh, So far we've seen five marks and four impedances uh, to spiritual maturity. And last week we saw mark number five. Does anybody remember a week ago what mark number five was? Uh, Some of you do. Come on. Sacrifice. Very good. How many people remember that? No, don't raise your hand. I'm just joking. Uh, So it was uh, something very important. Again, it is seen in the life of Uh, a believer who is growing closer to Christ because Jesus Christ came to die, uh, came to sacrifice his life. And so again, if our life, as Paul says, is a living sacrifice, then again, that's going to point to Jesus Christ. Um, Again, the closer that we grow to Christ-likeness, the closer or the more spiritually mature we come, I believe there's more um, aspects of our life that are defined by sacrifice um, with, with our time, talent, and treasure. Um, you look at a life of somebody who is more like Christ than they were, uh, you know, a month ago, a year ago, and that's what it looks like. Uh, again, the epitome of the life of Jesus Christ was sacrifice. Um, and so tonight, we're going to look and see uh, the fifth impedance, and this is something uh, really amazing. Again, we had our men's Bible study last night. we be sharing several things in, in tonight uh, on, on what we looked at last night. And again, you have to understand, there's things that were already prayed about and prepared for before, and so it's just neat to see how God works in all of this. So uh, I'm excited for this tonight. So let's pray, and we'll look at this. Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you for uh, all the blessings you give us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to gather and uh, worship you. Lord, it's such a, a privilege to, uh, to meet together, uh, to huddle, if you will and uh, to be unified and uh, all in effort so that we'll go out and we'll make a difference in not only this community but in the culture as a, as a whole. Uh, Lord, we realize that you've called us to be different. You've called us to be your children. Uh, and the world is, is just not very kind to uh, you and your kingdom. Again, we see that um, you gave your life uh, for the sin of the world. And God, we're just thankful that we can be your children by your grace. We're thankful that we can uh, learn from you, that your word uh, is truth. And again, uh, we're just thankful for the opportunity to be in it tonight together. And we ask you to just move now, that the Spirit would have full reign. Uh, Use me as a vessel so that you get glory and you get glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. You get notes? Have I got notes? Okay, good. All right, so right off the bat, the fifth impedance, you can jot this down, is information without application. Information without application. And this is something, again, uh, we, we've been doing in our, in our Iron Sharpening Iron, our men's fellowship and Bible study. Uh, for the last six months, we've been doing Kingdom Disciples is the title of it. And it's in the host or the, the, uh, the creator is... Uh, Tony Evans, and he had a lot of great things to say throughout the course of this last six months in the six lessons that we went through. And uh, one of the things that he said, it really stuck out, was this idea of information without application. We could say biblical knowledge 
without understanding. And, I, and I've taught and, and preached on that before, that I believe that what we see uh, in Scripture are, if you will, like three levels of biblical knowledge. Uh, the first level would be biblical knowledge, is you know what the Bible says. You uh, have been in Sunday school class, or you read, or you've been in church. You know what the Bible says. You're familiar with it. Uh, you may even have memorized scriptures. You may even know how to point people to certain scriptures. You have biblical knowledge. I believe there's, there, there's a step up from biblical knowledge uh, in this area of biblical knowledge, and that is understanding. That is when you not only have the information, you not only have the knowledge, but you're applying it in your life. Uh, you're using, you're putting to action what you know God's Word says. And so that, that reveals, it, it, it reveals itself in, uh, again, by way of understanding. So you understand, therefore you practice it. Uh, it's not just something that you know, it's something that you do. And then I think there's a third tier, and it's the tier that everybody should be striving for, uh, and that is wisdom. In the area of biblical uh, knowledge, you, you know what the Bible says, then you start applying what the Bible says, and then you come to a place of wisdom in your life to where all of that knowledge and the, the application that you put into place governs everything you think, everything you feel, everything you do, and therefore you are operating in godly wisdom. Uh, it defines your life. So to, be, to, to say you have wisdom is to say that you're being governed by biblical truth, biblical knowledge. And so, um, again, Tony Evans talked about a couple of different things uh, in, in a couple uh, studies ago that I thought was very important uh, to share. And, and again, tonight is the night I want to share it. Uh, he, he talked about two different types of statuses. He talked about milk status and meat status. And so I put that in your notes, and the first milk status uh, basically means they can't digest meat. If you are in a milk status, in other words, you say, what in the world is he talking about? Uh, in Hebrews, uh, the writer talks to the, the, the uh, readers, and he says, I wish I could give you meat, but I can't. You know, and, and up to this point, I've been giving you milk, and I wish I could give you more, but you, you won't have it. We can't move on to more uh, important things. And so uh, it's those people who won't move beyond milk. Uh, it's not natural for a, a person, it's natural for a baby to be drinking milk, uh, but once they get to a place where they can start eating real food, it's not natural for them to continue to drink milk as their substance. Um, it's, it's natural for them to progress on to solid foods and to uh, begin eating uh, stuff like that. And so, spiritually speaking, it's that person who never goes beyond just that surface level of knowledge and even maybe even a little bit of application in their Christian life. They have that milk, and they're not going any further, uh, many times because they're not applying what they're, they're learning. Uh, but then the meat status is actually using the knowledge. It's the ability to discern in decision-making uh, based on what biblical information you have. So when you have moved from uh, an immature place in your spiritual life, you've moved from a place where you're just getting knowledge, you're just drinking the milk, the basic things of the faith, um, when you move beyond that into where you start eating meat, that means you're starting to move more, you're starting to uh, eat more, it's affecting your life more. Um, many of us have had children and know that uh, while they're on the, um, the breast milk, uh, things are really good when it comes to the digestive tract. But then you move them to formula, or you, and when they move to solid foods, what happens? Everything changes. 
right? Everything changes. And so, again, that, that is the, the progression in, in our human lives. But when we start growing spiritually, we begin eating meat. Things change. Things are different. Our, we, we move more. Uh, again, uh, the results are different. Understanding, as I said a while ago, is application of knowledge. Um, I know what my Bible says, and I believe it's truth. Therefore, I apply it in my life. I live it out. That's understanding. That's, that's spiritual understanding. When you can say, I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I'm faithful to hear teaching. I'm faithful to hear preaching. I'm faithful to uh, again, be sharpened by the word of God and gain biblical knowledge to hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm reading, I'm studying, I'm letting, to, uh, letting it be a, a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. It is beginning to affect everything that I think and everything I feel, and I begin to apply it in my life. Again, that's understanding. When you take what you know and apply it in your life is, is so important. As I said a while ago, wisdom is that next level. Wisdom is when you say, I not only know what the Bible says, I'm not only applying it, but it's governing my entire life. But there's a lot of people that have biblical knowledge, and maybe some in this, in this room here. There's a lot of people I know in our church overall that have biblical knowledge, but there's three things that they do with it that are wrong. Have biblical knowledge, but number one, some people don't apply it, obviously. Some people have the knowledge, and they don't use it in their life. Again, they may can quote it. They, I mean, I'm sure everybody in this room, and probably most people and members of our church could quote John 3.16. Uh, most, most people uh, could, could, could refer to uh, certain scriptures, but doesn't necessarily mean that they're applying those scriptures or their principles in their life. Uh, again, many people know what the Bible says, they don't apply it. The second thing that people do with biblical knowledge that's wrong is they misuse it. So some people have biblical knowledge, they don't apply it or they don't use it. Some people have biblical knowledge and they misuse it. Um, and that is maybe taking verses out of context. When you say, I know the Bible says this, and so it's okay for me to do that. Um, and, 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 and it's not necessarily the fact that they want to really know what the Bible says. It's that they want to know what the Bible says to try to justify what they want to do. And that's misusing the scriptures. That's mishandling the scriptures. Paul told Timothy to rightly divide the word of truth, to rightly handle the word of truth. Don't misuse it. And so, again, we have many people in, in Christianity today that know what the Bible says, and number one, don't apply it. Number two, misuse it. And the third one is similar to misusing it, but abusing it. So some people have biblical knowledge, and they abuse it. They, it's not just that, that they're misusing it, but they are actually perverting the scriptures. They are teaching wrong things. They know what it says, but they're teaching wrong things to justify not necessarily what they want, but maybe in the ends. You see false teachers, you see false preachers, you see all kinds of people who are preaching and teaching and even handling the word of God in, in an abusive way. Uh, some, some call it spiritual manipulation, some call it spiritual abuse, um, and it is... If, if somebody who's a pastor or a teacher or somebody who is leading their family in a way like that, they'll stand before God one day and give a very strict account, give a judgment, uh, face judgment that's very strict before God. And, um, and so, again, a lot of people have knowledge, uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean a lot of people are using the knowledge that they have rightly. Uh, here's the biblical comparison of what a wise person is and a foolish person is. We look in Proverbs, good, Proverbs can be considered the book of wisdom or the book of knowledge, uh, daily practical 
uh, application. Uh, I, I've shared this before, but I encourage you, this is what I do. Uh, every day I will read a psalm, and I will go through, all the way through psalms like that. And sometimes two, because some psalms are very short. Um, but every day I'll read a psalm. Once I get through Psalm 150, then I begin at Proverbs chapter 1. In Proverbs chapter 1, I begin every day reading a chapter of Proverbs until I get to 31, and after 31, I go back to Psalm chapter 1, begin reading a psalm a day. And so that's on top of other studies, that's on top of other sermon preparation as well. And so just as, as wisdom and help and knowledge and healing and strength and guidance and all the things that I desire in my life, um, that's what I do. I'm reminded of those things every day. And so uh, I've shared that for, for years. Um, I shared that as soon as the Lord put that on my heart 20 years ago. Um, I started sharing it with young people. And then as I started teaching the Institute, sharing in the Institute, uh, and, and encourage other people to do that today. So if you're not reading Proverbs, I encourage you to start reading Proverbs. Uh, and it, it'll affect your life if you'll let it. But here's the Bible's uh, comparison between a wise person and a foolish person. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5 says this. A wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain to wise counsel. So again, obviously the person who's wise, according to the Bible, will hear what is truth and what is right, what wise counsel is, and will grow from it. It'll affect their life. They'll learn, the Bible says, increase in learning. It'll change their life because they don't only hear it, but they use it. They apply it. Uh, if if this is wrong, they, they, they stop it. If it's right, they start doing it. Again, a wise person will hear that, and they'll learn, they'll grow from it. But we skip over to verse 7, it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, you say, maybe you're in a Sunday school class, maybe you're even in a church service, and you're not attending to the Word of God. In other words, you're not being attentive to what God's Word says, or you're not listening to what is being taught about God's word, that is to despise instruction. That's to reject instruction. Some people reject instruction by way of looking on Facebook or looking up scores or looking up the news. Or some people look, reject instruction by daydreaming or doing other things. Again, whether it's in a sermon, whether it's in a, a, a lesson, the Word of God is to be learned from. Again, for 20 years, I've been reading Psalms and Proverbs every day. It never gets old. It, it never gets tiring. Now, there are days that my flesh is weaker. There's days that, my, uh, that, that I'm not as in tune as I should be, but it it never fails. The Word of God is always rich. It's alive. The Bible says that it's sharper and power, you know, than any two-edged sword. It, it's real. It's applicable. It's useful. It's profitable. And so, again, if we hear the Word of God and respond to it, that indicates wisdom. But if we are not willing to receive the Word of God, we're not listen, willing to listen and receive instruction, the Bible calls that uh, person a fool. So the question is this, are you truly listening if you hear something that requires a response, but don't respond? Are you truly listening if you hear something that requires a response, but you don't respond? Again, you may hear it, right? Uh, we hear a lot of things in our life, but we don't necessarily listen to a lot of things in our life. 
There are things that we will yield our life to and we'll listen to it and it'll impact our life for the rest of our lives. I'll give you a good example. Uh, we could start naming movies in here, right? Or I could start saying lines of movies and there would be people in this room that because you listened and you gave your full attention to a movie 20, 30, some of you 40, 50, or 60 years ago, I mean, I don't know those movies, but I could say the lines and, and, and you would say, oh, that's from John Wayne's blank, 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 or that's, uh, that's from this movie back in the 90s, or this, this movie that just came out, that's from Iron Man, or this or that. I, I don't know, I'm just throwing movies out. But um, because we engage, because we choose to listen, because we choose to be engulfed by the content that we are experiencing, the, the sad truth, the reality of the fact is, many times we will listen, we will attend, we will, we will engage Something that the world gives to us way more than what God has preserved for us by way of his word. Man, I watch a movie, I'll watch my favorite show, I'll, I, I'll binge watch my, my favorite series and all day long. And we'll do those things and we'll know the names and we'll know, and we know our, te- our, our team's names and we know their stats, we know their scores and all those things. We, we are willing to listen and engage and, and receive that information, and it, and it changes us. Why? Because it stays with us. Songs are the same exact way. I can start humming a tune or singing a couple words, and there'll be people in here, oh, that's that, blah, blah. I just wonder if the Word of God has that much of an effect on our life because we're willing to listen and engage like that. But again, if, if we hear something that requires a response, but we don't respond, I believe that was what the Bible would call despising, rejecting by the lack of action. And again, that would define a fool. Somebody tells you, hey, don't go down that road because the bridge is out. Right? They give you instruction. They know. They give you knowledge. They give you information. And they tell you, this is for your benefit. Don't go down that road because the bridge is out. And you'll get to a place and, and you'll go off a cliff. It'll cost you so much. So don't do that. So if you choose to continue down that road, it would be rejecting, despising their, their instruction. And again, it would be defining foolishness because of what you would experience at the end of that road. You have the knowledge. The person told you. They gave it to you. They let you know what you needed to know so you could respond in the right way. But you chose to reject that and do what you wanted to do and not apply the information and the knowledge that you were given. Again, that would be foolish, and that would uh, reap consequences uh, of that foolishness. I put this in your notes. Knowledge is essential for spiritual maturity. You, you, You have to have, you cannot grow spiritually without biblical knowledge. It's, knowledge is essential for spiritual maturity, but knowledge alone doesn't indicate spiritual maturity. And here is where so many people I believe get it wrong because you can talk to somebody who can spout out scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture and they they know the Bible and like man that person's got to be a spiritual giant but that's not the measure of spiritual maturity according to the Bible to know what the Bible says is essential to grow but just knowing what the Bible says doesn't mean that you're spiritually mature How many times do we have to teach a child something before they understand it and they actually live it out, right? And we know that when when that child is is young and we we tend to try to teach them this word that's so important 
for them to learn. It's two letters, and we say it a lot when they're little. What is that word? No. See? Easy. I mean, we, we, we know uh, what the child needs. We know what's best for the child. We know what the child needs to avoid. And there's many times that child wants to do those things anyways. And so what we say is no, no, no. Again, I used to tell our girls that, and I've shared stories before. Some of them, uh, one of them, used to respond a little quicker than the other one when they were littler. Uh, the, the other one would not respond as quickly. And so we'd have to say no a little more often or a little more back-to-back uh, uh, -back than the other one. But again, why do we tend to teach them this word no, no a lot? It's simple. They're doing things that they shouldn't be doing. That's their immaturity. They, don't know, they're, they're not, they haven't applied. They haven't experienced. They, don't, they haven't uh, in, in, engaged the information uh, and so again, we have to tell them no. And the more we tell them no, we give them that knowledge. They have that knowledge. They know not to touch that fireplace. They know not to touch that hot stove because we told them not to. But they continue to hear no. And because they continue to disregard the knowledge and the information and the instruction, they often face the, the discipline of the consequences of disregarding that. But many people, even as professing believers, have knowledge yet don't apply it for whatever reason. Or apply it only in certain areas or certain parts alone. Maybe it's because they give into the flesh too often. Maybe it's because in giving to the flesh they quench the spirit, and again, uh, it's revealing of the lack of spiritual maturity. Maybe it's because they have knowledge, but they don't have examples of what application in their lives look like. And I wonder how many parents and kids this is the case for right the kids have the knowledge you bring them to church they go to sunday school you talk about it in your house sometimes but maybe you don't live it out consistently and so they have the knowledge they just don't have the example of application maybe some people who are professing believers have knowledge and they don't apply it because they fear the sacrifice that obedience will require. Some people know what the Bible says and they say, I just don't know that I want to go out and, and put myself out there like that. And so they fear the sacrifice. I don't know if, 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 if I start doing this, that means I'll have to stop doing that and I don't know if I want to stop doing that. Have the knowledge to just fear the sacrifice. Maybe... They have this knowledge and they don't apply it because they see too many examples of the opposite. Not just no example of application, but examples of the opposite of what Scripture says. <laughs> scripture tells us that in the end times that we live in right now, that, that the culture is full of people who are ever learning, but they're never able to come to the full knowledge of truth. It doesn't change their lives. They have knowledge, and they grow in knowledge, and they increase in knowledge, but it doesn't affect their life. They, they don't come to that place where truth impacts them and their life is radically changed. I want to read that. Many of you are familiar with it, but it says this. Paul's writing to Timothy, chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, but understand this, this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, 
slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Here you go. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power because they don't live it out. Avoid such people, the Bible says. I don't know about you, but I can watch the news and almost in one session of an evening news, you can see all of these characteristics described in the news stories, right? I mean, have some of you adults, hopefully none of the kids have, have some of you seen that, that guy that was uh, in Dallas and there was a female, I'm not going to go into details because they're kids, in it, but uh, there was some violence there. Y'all seen that? Okay. Um, okay, let's see here. Heartless, um, brutal, not loving good, reckless, I mean, again, abusive, arrogant. I mean, just in one, I mean, you can get half of the, the list in, in just one news story sometimes, right? That's the times that we live in. And he goes on to say, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Here it is, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. And he gives the example, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men in the end times also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in the mind and disqualified regarding the faith. They're not of the faith. They learn, they look like they're godly, but they have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. They will not get very far, the Bible says, because their folly will be plain to all as was those of, of those two men. Clearly, not only professing believers can be guilty of having knowledge and not applying it. Of course, we know, just as it says, you have to, to in order to grow spiritually, you have to be spiritually alive. But we see in Scripture, there are many people who are lost. Many people who aren't going to heaven when they die. Not God's children who have learned biblical things, who have biblical knowledge and may increase in biblical knowledge, they may get to that place and they may say, man, they may say the right things. They may say the name of Jesus. They, all those things, but they have not truly arrived at the place, the knowledge of truth that changes their life. If they had, again, it would be evident in their life. It would be evident in their actions. It would be evident in their actions, It'd be, uh, in, in their attitudes. It would be evident in, their, in the way that they talk. Quite the opposite of what we see here in 2 Timothy. That they oppose the truth. They're corrupt in their mind. And they're disqualified regarding the faith. So many times you can't teach a person who has knowledge and no application, anything. I have had many conversations. I've tried to avoid arguments, but I've had conversations with people who have had enough biblical knowledge to be dangerous. And sadly, there have been people in our church that have had biblical knowledge. They know what they should be doing. They know what is right. But they misuse the knowledge they have to justify what they want to do. They know what the Bible says, but they just will not apply it, except for where it's convenient or comfortable. Again, not only is this a sign of spiritual immaturity, but it's a sign of foolishness. To know what God's word says and say, I'm, I'm not going to apply it in this area because I don't want to or because it doesn't fit into what I'm doing in my life right now, that is absolute foolishness. 
Because now you're denying that the Word of God is actually the Word of God. Because if you believe it's the Word of God, then you, as a child of God, have to submit to every Word of God. Because every Word of God, according to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, is inspired of God. It's, it's God-breathed. The Bible says a fool is known by his or her actions. What does that mean? Their, their actions, attitudes, and speech. And so when, when we look at uh, the definition of fool, it says you, you'll be able to know what a fool is. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 14, wise men lay up knowledge. They store it up uh, and use it, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. In other words, the mouth of the fool brings ruin. Verse 17, Proverbs chapter 10, he is in the way of life that keepeth instruction, but he that re refuseth reproof Aereth, he that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. There's a lot of, a fool speaks a whole lot. There's a lot of sin. He that refraineth his lips is wise. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, the way of fool is right in his own eyes. See, regardless of biblical truth. I want that to challenge us tonight as a church. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, regardless of biblical truth. I hope that nobody in this room ever gets to a place where you say, I know what the Bible says, but no. There should never be a time that a child of God says, I don't think I have to, or I know what the Word of God says, but. Because now we've become a fool. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it till afterwards. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 12 says this. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. The beginning of words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. A fool also is full of words. A man cannot tell what, he, uh, what shall be, and what shall be after him, who can tell him. The labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them, because he knoweth not how to go to the city. The spiritual maturing person is submitted to the truth of God's word. His counsel, his leadership, his men who teach his word, and strive to daily apply the knowledge that they have. The spiritually mature person says, you know what? I am submitted to God in every aspect. I'm submitted to his truth. I'm submitted to his counsel. I'm submitted to his leadership. I'm submitted to the men that God installs to lead his church. I'm submitted, and, and this is what I'm doing. I'm striving daily to apply that knowledge. Again, we had this, uh, a great study last night to end our Iron Sharpening Iron. Uh, there's several guys in here that were part of it. Some weren't. I encourage you uh, to be a part of our men's ministry if you can. Uh, but last night, Tony Evans used some great illustrations about our call as kingdom disciples. And um, one of the things he was talking about is a, like a football team. A football team gathers in a huddle. huddle uh, and the reason why they gather, gather in a huddle, can't talk. The reason why they gather in a huddle is because they're trying to get unified on the next play. But getting in a huddle doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go out there and be unified and do the same things. Why? Because first of all, you got to know what the playbook says to do, right? I could walk into the Dallas Cowboys huddle 
and I can be like, guys, I am all in. I'll do whatever it takes. And they can call a play that I have no idea about. And now I've become absolutely useless to the team on the field. Because I don't know what the play is. Man, I'm, my heart's in it. I'm in the huddle. But I haven't learned the plays. I haven't, I haven't taken the time to get the knowledge of the playbook that we're actually going to use in the game. And so again, team huddles have to know what the playbook says. But here's the thing that he said was so important. The goal in a football game is not just to gather in a huddle. Matter of fact, he said those thousands of fans don't pay good money to see a bunch of grown men bend over in a huddle. <laughs> they pay good money to watch the team go out there and play and win. That's what they do. The goal is to run the plays. The goal is victory, but you've got to run the plays to see victory. I was thinking about this and, and came up with um, just kind of my own experience and based off of what uh, he said and based off of biblical knowledge, uh, how this could be applied. And so a sequence of necessity maybe of, of being on, or the necessity in, in the sequence of being on God's team. So here's, here's seven things I think that is important. So we talk about biblical knowledge, talk about understanding. Again, what is the impedance? The impedance is having information without applying it. If you have the information but you don't apply it, it's going to keep you from growing spiritually. All right, so here's a little sequence I think that's important that's going to help us to understand the importance of having information and applying it. So the first thing in this sequence is you have to be on the team. First of all, you have to be on the team. See, I couldn't walk into the Dallas Cowboys huddle because I'm not on the team. I couldn't get past security. I, could, I couldn't get there. I'm just not on the team. So they would be like, no, you're not going. You have to be on the team. Again, we're talking about spiritual things. In order to move to spiritual maturity, you have to have a spiritual relationship with the Lord. So you have to be on his team. Uh, and not only that, I could, I've talked about this before, I could be a fan and I could be so excited about how good my team is doing, but I'm not going to experience the victory like the team experiences the victory, right? Because I'm not going to be the one that's in the locker room after the championship celebrating the victory. I'm not on the team, you know? And so I'm a fan. I watch that on TV. You hear about it. You, you see pictures of it. But if you're not on the team, you don't experience the rewards like the team experiences. So you got to be on the team, first of all. Second of all, you have to know the playbook, as I said a while ago. The playbook, of course, is the Word of God. The playbook reveals what the mission is, what the plan is. If you don't know what the playbook is, if you don't know what the mission is and the plan is, and beyond that, your role in that. So that would be your gifts and abilities. Then you're not going to move to application. You're not going to have information. You're not, going to have, you're not going to be able to apply it. So you have to be on the team. You also have to know the playbook and your role, right? It doesn't matter. When, when I was in football, I, I, had a, I had a role. And my, when I was playing varsity football, I, uh, on offense, I was a tight end. I, about halfway through the season, I thought, I used to play defense, and I, I, and I liked hitting people. But they, they moved me on, uh, onto offense because of different skill sets. And so um, they said, uh, we've got some other people to do this. We need you here. And about halfway through my senior season, I thought, this is my last year to play football. I, I don't really get to hit anybody. I mean, I do I, I, when I block and stuff, but I, I want to hit. And so I thought, man, I could play safety. 
I, I, could, I could go over to the defense. I could, I could, do, I could play a, uh, something else where I could, where I could hit people. And, and, um, but as much as I wanted to, I couldn't just walk into the defensive huddle and say, okay, guys, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I had a role. I had a role on the team. It was best for the team. And I had to get in the huddle, and I had to play that position that I was assigned to play. In the church, God has given you gifts. God has given you abilities. And he wants you to use those for the team so that we accomplish what the mission is. We have a new members class, and everybody that goes to the new members class, I talk about gifts, and I talk about opportunities in the church to use your gifts and to be active and involved and serve. Why? It's not because of anything of man. It's what God says. We're supposed to be doing so that we edify one another, so that we're strengthened, and so that we go out and we accomplish the mission once we break the, the huddle. That's why it's important to know your role. Thirdly, you have to work out. You have to practice. You have to be prepared and unified with the team and its goal. Right? Because here's what the deal is. Uh, sometimes things come up and you can't make the practice. Right? That's, that's the reality. I, there were very few times that I, I missed a practice when I was in, in sports. And the reason why is because, first of all, listen, I wanted to be there. I didn't want to be in the 100-degree heat, okay, in two-a-days. I did not want to run two-a-days. I, I didn't want to go and, and experience the misery that my body— I didn't want any of those, the bad things. But you know what? You know why I wanted to be at every single practice? Because I was a part of the team, and that's what was needed. I needed to be at every practice— so that I could hear what the plan was, what the game plan was for that week. I needed to be at every practice. And whenever I was not at practice, you know what happened? I missed being at practice. And I felt like I was missing something. I was missing a piece. Like even though I'm out of watch the rest of the film and maybe even put in extra, extra hours and extra time and, and, and ex catching extra balls or whatever, I mean, I, I still felt like, man, a part of me is not, I, I feel a little incomplete this week. I missed a, a day of practice, which again, I didn't hardly ever do. But again, you have to work out. Not, I couldn't just say, you know what, I'm on the team and I know that the team is in the weight room today or we're doing the mat room today or we're doing this, uh, but I don't feel like doing that. No. I had to work out, I had to be in shape. You have to work out, you have to be in shape. You have to do what you are designed to do to get better at what you're doing. Because if everybody wasn't doing that, then we weren't going to accomplish or meet our potential. Our coaches used to tell us that. You know what potential is? It's nothing unless you put it into action. Potential is a whole bunch of nothing. I mean, it's, you, could, you, could be the, you have the greatest potential, but if you don't put feet to things to see it out it's useless and so again you have to work out you have to practice you have to be prepared you have to be unified with the team and its goal can you imagine a, a guy on a football team let's say the dallas cowboys okay let, let's even throw out a star let's let's say let's say uh, ezekiel elliott okay oh there's a good example there right y'all remember the year that he got in trouble and he had to sit out most of the year. He was under uh, investigation, and they were appeals and appeals. How bad were the Cowboys? Horrible. They, they were horrible. They were out of sync. Ezekiel Elliott wasn't, wasn't his, he didn't, wasn't reaching his potential. They, they were not at all what they could be. 
because he wasn't there as much as he should be and, or could be. And so again, we see the effect when, when, when the, the faithfulness isn't there, and that's number four. You have to be faithful or you might miss adjustments, right? That's the reality. I, 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 this is the practical part of it even in, in, in church, right? Uh, in, in, in our church. There's times that we say things or we announce things or we talk about things in one service. And if you're not in that service, you may show up the next service and be like, what are we doing? What's going on? I didn't, well, I didn't know that we were doing this. Oh, yeah, we talked about it last. Again, if you're not faithful, you may miss adjustments. Again, when I, when I was playing football, there were some times that we made last-minute adjustments right before the game. Right before the game. We would go out to warm-ups, and we would go into the locker room right before we go out on the field, and the coaches said, okay, I know we talked about this and prepared for that, but I, I want to I do this uh, off the bat, and I want to see how they react. And so, again, last-minute adjustments. But if we're not faithful, if we're not there, if we're not connected, then we're going to miss sometimes the last-minute adjustments. And I'm not just talking about what we're doing as a church, but that has to do with being unified with the team, unified, knowing what's going on, knowing so that you can give your very best. You have to be there every time. You have to be there every practice. You have to be there every game. You have to show up. You have to give your all. That's what it takes. The fifth thing is this. You have to be in tune in the huddles or in the huddle or you may miss the play call. I remember sometimes we would be winning a football game and you know people start getting kind of relaxed and joking around and messing around and and the quarterback goes, guys hey come on we got play clock's running let's go listen listen this is the play you know try to get and and sometimes if if people weren't listening they were still kind of messing around we'd break the huddle and go out there and somebody'd run back to the quarterback and say and you see it now in, in football right they, they go back to him and say you can see him like asking like this and they they run this way and he's like no 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 on this side okay so he runs over there and get if they're not listening if you're if you not in the huddle, you may miss the play call. Again, what we're doing tonight is huddling. We're huddling. We're getting on the same page. We're hearing the same things. We're being challenged and encouraged with the same things. The sixth thing, you have to break the huddle and execute the game plan, execute the plan. Right? We have not been called as the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, the ambassadors of his kingdom. We've not been called just to gather in the huddle. We've been called to go ye therefore. We've been called to go outside of our huddle, of our gatherings, and take the news that has transformed our lives, the light of the glorious gospel, and let it shine on a world that's in darkness. Because if we don't, and we hide our gospel, then the gospel stays hidden from those that are in darkness who the God of this world has blinded their eyes. So we've got to break the huddle, and we've got to shine the light of the glorious gospel. We've got to break the huddle in order to execute the plan. Listen, it's not just your responsibility to be here in the huddle. Now, now listen. But you've got to be in the huddle. I know you're here on a Wednesday night, but I'm talking about every time we huddle up. You got to be in the huddle. You got to be in the huddle because if you don't hear what the game plan is, how are you going to go out and do what you've actually been called to do? And so I'll do it on my own. So that's how teams operate, right? Is that how teams operate? Well, I know the team got together 
and did this. We used to have team meetings. You know what we do? We talk about what we need to do as a team. Outside sometimes of what the coaches would say. But it was always in line with what the coaches said. We were holding each other accountable. We were encouraging each other. We were exhibiting leadership among each other. It was, this is our plan still. It doesn't change. We have got a goal. We've got a plan. We've got a game plan. We've got to get it accomplished. And so we're never going to miss a team meeting. We're never going to miss a huddle. We're never going to not listen in the huddle because we've got to go out there and we've got to execute the game plan. And the seventh, the last thing, you have to give your all or you could get hurt. You have to give your all or you could get hurt. I've used this illustration before in talking, um, and it happened to me. It happened to me, I think, the first scrimmage of my senior year. Um, I was uh, just kind of jogging. I wasn't given full effort in a play, and uh, the play was kind of wrapping up, and I was just kind of lollygagging around the end of the play, and a guy was running full speed, and his leg came around and hit my calf, and it was a deep tissue bruise. And um, it didn't keep me out of any games, but, you know, I had to go get treatment. It, it hindered my, uh, the, the fullness of my effort that I could give because, I mean, it felt like someone had, my, my calf was torn. I mean, it was such a deep bruise. Um, had I been running full speed, I wouldn't have been in that spot. But because I wasn't giving a wholehearted effort, I got injured. Now, you can get injured when you're giving full effort as well, but you can't say that it was because you were given a half-hearted effort. Most injuries occur when, whenever there is a little bit of pulling back, a little bit of hesitation, a little bit of um, half-effort, um, because you, you're not supposed to train half-effort. You train full speed. Uh, and so your muscles get used to that. Your body gets used to reacting like that. And so half-hearted effort usually leads to injury. I hope you hear that tonight spiritually. We have been called to give our all for the kingdom of God. And if you're only giving half or you're giving part effort for the kingdom, the chances of you getting offended, the chances of you not wanting to show up to a practice, the chances of you not wanting to be in a huddle, the chances of the enemy, the opponent, being able to do something to affect you goes up tremendously if you give half-hearted effort. If you're on the team, you need to know. You have to know what you should be doing. But not just knowing the plays. It's not going to make you any better if you're not at practice. You can know the plays, but if you're not at practice, it doesn't make you a better player. If you don't practice, if you don't apply what you know as a Christian, you're not going to get stronger. You can get in the huddle, but if you don't actually get out and use it, it doesn't change anything. If you're just sitting on biblical knowledge, you aren't growing towards Christ-likeness. If you have knowledge and you're just sitting on it, you're not growing more like Christ. He was the perfect example, of course, of the opposite, right? He was truth. He was the plan. It's his kingdom. He was the incarnate word. He had all knowledge. He was knowledge. He is knowledge. But he didn't just sit on it. Jesus came to this earth, and he didn't just say, listen, I'm the oracle, okay? And if you want to know something, you come ask me. No, he gathered daily with his team. 
His team was with him for three years, three and a half years straight. And he shared the knowledge. He lived the knowledge. He carried out the plan of the Father all the way to the cross, and he gave his all. And it cost us all. And the reward is very clear. Victory. Victory was the reward. Victory over sin, victory over death and the resurrection. Victory was the reward. A blood-bought church was the prize. And the resurrection to life for all who would believe. So tonight, I pray that you don't have information that you're not applying. I pray that you're not... Uh, one of those that so you know, I know what the Bible says and, and misusing it or abusing it. I pray that every single one of us, and not only on the team, but all those, those, those seven steps, that, man, we're in the huddle, we're at practice, we're gathering, we're, we're practicing, we're getting stronger, we're applying, and we're going out and helping accomplish the plan because that's what we've been called to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to be challenging. Where, Lord, I know I've been challenged. Uh, it, it's exciting uh, when, whenever... Uh, the Spirit urges us and, and convicts us, and your word is, is, is so real and clear. And tonight I pray that we as a church uh, were unified, that we were challenged again in this. We, we've not just been called to, to gather as a church and to sing songs and, and to hear a message and then go back and not do anything. Lord, you, we, we do this so that we go out and we stay encouraged in the mission. We stay encouraged in the work. We, we stay encouraged to, to accomplish the plan. We stay challenged in all these things. And so I pray that it would do that. I pray that we would, none of us in this room would be at a, a place where we, we're being impeded to, uh, to grow spiritually because we have information we're not applying, biblical information. And I just pray you just move now. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.